You're at the Over or Under Show. I'm your host, Ed Henderson. And man, it's a crazy world we live in. It has no shortages of rabbit holes. I'm not scared of rabbit holes. If you're not scared of rabbit holes, this show is for you. Let's see if we can jump in one and make our way back to the top. Hello, I'm Edward Henderson, and you're on Over and Under. Today, I'm going to be talking about the January 6th committee looking into the so-called insurrection. Now, to me, it looked like a mob that got out of control. And uh, I think I told you earlier on another podcast how, how scared I am of mobs because people get caught up in the moment. You've got a absolute criminal element sometimes that's operating within that mob. And then you just get a lot of times people that normally are good, decent, hardworking, taxpaying, sometimes going to church, people who get caught up in the moment and they're not even thinking about what they're doing. And that mob, when it gets torched or it gets set off, it has no reason to it. So my personal take on it, that was a lot of people losing their minds there that day. Now, I'm not going to say there were no criminal elements, that there were not any criminal elements out there that day. Um, you may come to find out that the Oath Keepers and possibly the Proud Boys did have some type of criminal intent. I don't know this. It has not been adjudicated, but uh, that's for a court and a jury to decide. But as far as Donald Trump trying to organize, organize an insurrection, absolutely not. Or at least it has not been proven up to this point. Whether Attorney General Garland will take this up, I don't know. He has probably got a splitting headache as he's looking at this dog and pony show called a hearing and wondering, oh my God, how I got my hands full. I'm getting people to plead to misdemeanors to try to wade through all these people. And I'm trying to make my way to the more serious allegations. They're going to be a headache within themselves. Now you've got some unscrupulous politicians that look like they're going after Donald Trump again. When are they ever going to give up? They made fools of themselves last time. But here we go again. With that being said, let me just say this. The January 6th committee is an absolute sham, if you haven't figured that out. Nancy Pelosi just removed any possible credibility they could have had when she did not allow the House Minority Leader, Kevin McCarthy, to seat his people on that committee. I think it's been the first time ever in the history of the House that the minority party was not allowed to do so. But Nancy Pelosi, right off the bat, refuses to let Jim Jordan and Jim Banks sit on that committee. So the response from McCarthy was, okay, well, we're not sending anybody up there. You go conduct your dog and pony show for the for the world to see, but we're not going to partake in it. So what does Nancy Pelosi do? She goes and finds the two Republicans that could not possibly hate Donald Trump anymore. There's been bad blood between Trump and these two she selects Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. There you go. Not only does she lose all credibility from not letting the minority party set its members, she actually goes out of her way to put two people that are very biased against Trump. This would never go on in a court of law. So Nancy's committee has no credibility, but she's not going to give up. She's going to go polish it up. The committee goes out and they hire a Mr. Goldstone. He is a former executive producer for ABC News. An article in 
the New York Times talking about Mr. Goldstone, him being appointed as the executive producer of this miniseries that's getting ready to unfold before us. They refer to it as the siege, and this is quoting them, that the siege is now his focus, but not as a network news chief. Instead, Mr. Goldstone is helping congressional investigators retell and reframe the events of that day for a weary and polarized nation. Now, I think the New York Times was absolutely correct when they said that he was going to help them reframe the events of that day. And I do agree, we're weary and we're polarized. The article goes on to say that more than 20 million Americans watch Mr. Goldstone's hand at work during the committee's nationally televised hearing on Thursday evening. They saw tightly edited video of rioters smashing through windows and two composed witnesses who recounted the destruction and mayhem viewing that felt more made for TV than most congressional hearings. That, too, is a very interesting passage or statement or paragraph when they refer to the tightly edited video of rioters smashing through windows and two composed witnesses who recounted the destruction and mayhem. Well, let me just say this. The reason you would want to have really tight edit video of the rioters, because if you panned out, you might be seeing, I don't know, like I saw uh, people urging people not to do that, saying we are not like them. We do not do this because that starts that does not feed into the narrative that starts making you think, man, there was a lot of people in there that did not partake of that riot was not part of that mob and was actually trying to pull people back and trying to encourage them or discourage them from moving forward. And two composed witnesses who recounted the destruction. Well, people, there were over 120,000 people there by some estimates. They got two people. I'll let you be the judge of that. I think uh, Mr. Goldstone was doing exactly what he was hired to do to put forth a certain narrative and what that committee wanted to hear. So just to say it again, Nancy wanted to control the narrative because she was going to put exactly the people that she knew would support that narrative. She hired a news executive from ABC who would tell that story for her or felt like he would tell it the best they could. Let me just say this. A lot of people attack Fox. But I ask you, what multi-million dollar lawsuits have been leveled against Fox? And I'm not talking about Murdoch and the whole uh, woman her sexual harassment thing. I'm talking about actual news stories that they put forth and they slandered somebody. Now, I'll share a couple with you that I know that you're aware of, and that's Nicholas Sandman, the guy that they said uh, started that whatever you want to call it, it happened with that American Indian at the Capitol in D.C. He sued CNN for, I think he was asking for $250 million. They settled out of court, and I don't think he could mention what he got. But if he got half of that, that's $120 million, and he's not through. He's going to ABC. He's going to NBC. All those people that told those vicious lies about him are going to pay as well as the Kyle Rittenhouse. Kyle Rittenhouse, I don't know if anybody has settled with him, but the same thing. The only reason I bring those two stories up to you is because everybody's always saying Fox is wrong. Well, there's two that Fox got right. Those other news outlets, they are paying dearly for, for the lies that they told. Or excuse me, so I don't get sued. I don't know if they ever admit it to any wrongdoing, but they, uh, they paid millions of dollars to not admit to the wrongdoing. 
And I want to share one more thing with you, too. I've had people tell me that Donald Trump did not say anything about going to the Capitol building peacefully and patriotically. And that's exactly what he said. I'm going to play that for you right now. I was confronted by a friend who said he never said that, never said it. And I'm thinking to myself, well, maybe I did mishear something. And I went for a Google search. It took me a while to find it, but I finally did, as well as a transcript. He did say something. He could have said more. He could have said it more often, realizing that he had a 100,000 plus crowd out there. But he did say it. So let me just play this for you just so we can get this out of the way. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. So there you go. Uh, no question about it. That was from that speech. Now, that was just a snippet, but that, I'm going to keep it in the tradition of that, that committee because that's what they did, too. Keep in mind, there's over 14,000 hours of video and tape from that event, and they hired an executive producer to produce, to edit through all that material to tell the story that they wanted. And I'm just going to say it one more time. There was nobody there to represent the other side of the story, and that other side of that story is strongly supported by people of differing opinion. Let me uh, share something else to you before I get away from Donald Trump, because because this is Chuck Schumer. And this is, to me, in my, uh, my opinion, inciting people to do harm. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. And so there you have, there's communicating a threat and somebody would put threat in Kavanaugh's life. There was an, uh, an attempt made on his life. So I'll let you, again, I'll let you be the judge of that. So let's look at that event a little bit. Um, it was estimated that they were going to have anywhere from 15 to 30,000 people there. The Federal Protective Service made an estimate of about 75,000 based on uh, permitted events. Now, New, Newsweek claims to have seen classified yet unreleased figures of 120,000 people. I think that's more like it, and at least that's what it looks like. There's an estimate anywhere from 1,200 to 2,000 people entered the Capitol building. So, I mean, let's think about that. Somewhere between, I don't know, one and we'll be very generous and say up to 2% of all those people that attended that rally, there was only one or two percent of the people went into the Capitol building. There's not I'm not saying laws were not broken outside of the Capitol building and that they should not be prosecuted. But, you know, that's that's making a very big that that was a coordinated effort between Donald Trump and this group of people to overtake this country. I think as of today, there's been something like 800 arrests. Don't hold me that to that. You know, you can do a Google search. I think there's been maybe 165 convictions. A lot of them have been pled down to misdemeanors. By far, the most serious charge has been so far seditious conspiracy. And that requires two or more people to overthrow, put down, or destroy by force the United States of America. So the Oath Keepers, I think there's 11 people represented there, including their leader, uh, Mr. Elmer Rhodes. And then you have the Proud Boys, supposedly a white supremacist group led by an Enrique Tario. hope I pronounced his name correct. The thing that's interesting about Enrique Tario, he, he appears to be a black Hispanic male. 
I do not know what his ethnicity is. I was just looking at a picture of him. I would say he's black, just as black as Barack Obama, definitely as black as Kamala Harris. But that kind of throws up monkey wrenches at not even if he that they show that he's 100 percent Hispanic. And I'm fairly certain he's at least half black. How is he leading the white supremacy movement of the Proud Boys? I'm getting off point here. By far the most serious charges are seditious conspiracy. And the best I can tell at this point, they got 16 people. Now you take 16 and divide it by 120,000. Hold on, I'll do it. Okay, so out of all those people that were there, 0.00013333, I don't even know what that number means. I just know that's a whole lot of nothing. That's how many people participated, at least up to this point. Now, it's been over a year. I guess we're coming up on a year and a half, but that's where we're at. We've got 16 people that have been charged. I don't know how you can take that as a serious overthrow of the government. I guess one could assume that these boys are so good at their job, they just figured that once they get there, they'd be able to talk the rest of the 120,000 people to take part in it. And, and let me just tell you this. I, I do want everyone who broke laws out there, who injured those police officers, and there were police officers that were injured out there, they should be held accountable to the full extent of the law. I do truly believe that. But I also do have somewhat of compassion for those people who have never broken the law in their entire lives. From the best we can tell, they have maintained full employment their entire life, got caught up in the moment. And some of them have been in jail well over a year, have lost their jobs. They exercised some very bad decision making that day, and they have paid dearly for it. I can only hope that the attorney general will show some type of acknowledgement of the lives that these people led, led prior to January 6th. But that's, a, that's another thing altogether. The whole point of this is to tie Donald Trump to a conspiracy to overthrow the U.S. government. Good luck with that. I don't think you're going to have any more luck with that than they did when they were trying to tie him to the big Russian collusion. And not only do you have two Republican known haters of Donald Trump on that committee, you've got Adam Schiff. My God, you would have thought that Nancy Pelosi would have had enough common sense to ask Adam Schiff to stay as far away from that committee as he possibly could. You know, Donald Trump, if for some reason he gets reelected, and I've never seen the other party, the Democrats, work so hard to try to assure another election for another president. But if he is reelected, Donald Trump should walk in there. And I don't know if you can even do this, but by executive order, he should have three or four impeachment articles already signed, admitting to it and give them to Nancy Pelosi and let them pull them out as they see fit. Hopefully he'll have control of both the House and the Senate. It will be of no consequence. That's another thing that I really do hate that the Democrats have done. They have taken a very serious article and prescribed by the Constitution the impeachment of an American president and made it an absolute joke. I don't know that anybody's going to ever take uh, an impeachment serious ever again. And to think, now I want you to think about this too, if that's all it takes to impeach a president, what happens when you do have control of both houses and 
then Congress can do this. They they can impeach a president for whatever reason that they want to. And if that, that party has the power of both houses, they can have a sitting duly elected president removed from office. That's why it has always been taken very serious because you're overturning an election. So, you know, God help uh, the next guy who gets impeached over such frivolous and baseless claims because you might have an American president, a duly elected president, removed from office. So again, the committee was just an absolute farce. I'm not going to say they didn't have some credible people. If they had Bill Barr up there, attorney general, which I've got mixed feelings about him. Bill Barr, the guy that they said was lying about the whole Russian collusion thing when he looked at the Mueller report and said there's no there there. Well, he's not credible. But when he says that there was no election fraud, they agree with him. I mean, he laughed at Dinesh D'Souza's, what was it called, 2,000 Mules, where they lay out some very serious allegations and they support it. Now, again, it hasn't been cross-examined, but the same way that they traced what they're calling mules was by geo-tracking their phones, so did the FBI track supposedly these people that entered into the Capitol building that day. So same technology, but Bill Barr laughing off the voter fraud as he might be an absolute genius and expert in the law, but what is his expertise when it comes to voting machines? How involved was he in those individual states that are in question I would say to you that under cross-examination, Bill Barr would very quickly admit that it's, it's his opinion at very best because he did, he did not have first-hand knowledge and he does not have the expertise into what Dinesh D'Souza and his team of experts have alleged in 2000 Mules. So he can laugh all he wants. I'm waiting to hear how he's going to respond back to Dinesh D'Souza, because Dinesh has called him out, has called him out to a private debate. And so Bill Barr can lay out his case. Dinesh has definitely laid his out, and we can see how that plays out. Again, there's the only way to get to truth is to be able to cross-examine somebody's statement. And through this producer that the committee has hired, they're giving you a very limited view. And it's my opinion, they have given you the view that they want you to have. You know, something that I'm faced with all the time is, Ed, you know, there was not widespread voter fraud. And I, I think it was widespread, but just for sake of argument, let's say that there wasn't. There doesn't have to be widespread voter fraud. Our elections are so close. They're being, they're being uh, decided by 1% and 2%. So you're not looking at trying to swing 7 10% of votes. You're, you're usually looking to try to swing 1% or 2%. So why do people have such a problem when anybody talks about securing the vote? Every time you talk about making sure that our votes are secured, Everybody starts bringing up Jim Crow laws. And again, I'll just say it again. You would think the Democrats would be the last people on earth to talk about Jim Crow laws because it's their invention. It's, it's the one, They're the ones that push Jim Crow. There's never been a history of Republicans doing that. And they're not doing that here. What they're trying to do is to secure the vote for everybody so that every single person that knows that they put in a vote 
that it will be cast for the candidate that it was meant for and that somebody else is not stuffing ballots and trying to overthrow that. So why are we so apprehensive to secure, I don't know, photo IDs? You know, what's wrong with having one week? If it was up to me, and it's, it's my strong opinion, that that probably should be a holiday. It is such a sacred right for every voter that it might be good to have a day off so everybody could go vote and there should be exceptions made for those rare exceptions where somebody cannot make it. Maybe they have some work travel that they just cannot get away from and they will not be in town. Uh, maybe there's something that has happened physically to them where they cannot go to a poll. But I, I think when a vote is cast, it should be done under supervision. I don't think it should be handled like some letter or like you're going, I don't know, going through McDonald's getting a Happy Meal. Hey, here's your Happy Meal. Hey, would you like to cast a vote? Would you like to register vote while you're getting your Happy Meal? I think it should be taken much more serious than that. But why do people have such a problem with photo ID? Now, here are some of the things that you have to have a photo ID. I found this list in the Washington Examiner. And some of the things that you have to provide photo ID and sometimes even birth certificates to go to buy alcohol and cigarettes. Of course, if you're obviously not of that age, you would have to do that. Opening a bank account, applying for food stamps, welfare, Medicaid and Social Security, applying for unemployment, rent or buy a house to drive by or rent a car, get on an airplane, get married, purchase a gun, rent a hotel room, adopt a pet, apply for a hunting license, buy a cell phone, visit a casino, pick up a prescription, hold a rally or protest, blood donations, buy M-rated video games, purchase nail remover from CVS. I'd like somebody to explain that one to me. And uh, buy certain kinds of uh, cold medicine. So yeah, I mean, I would say that there's nothing more sacred in that list than casting a vote. Now, one of those things, your Medicaid, your Social Security, I'd understand that you individually, that would be of paramount importance to you. But I'm just saying in general, I don't think anything on that list goes over top or tops securing the vote. One could argue that whoever's in charge, especially of the United States of America, will have an incredible effect on a lot of those things on that list. So if you've got no problem and it's not against anybody's constitutional rights to make you show identification, photo ID, and like I said, sometimes birth certificates, why, it, why would you say that it is racist or refer to it as a Jim Crow law when people want to apply the same measures of protection when it comes to casting a vote? So I don't know where this is all going to end up. I do believe that the main reason and the main motivation between these, this sham hearing is to keep Donald Trump from getting reelected and possibly running again. As far as what Attorney General Garland does, I don't like Garland. I don't think that it was quite fair how they kept him off the Supreme Court. But my God, he would have been a horrible Supreme Court justice. But I'm going to say something positive about him. You know, and again, let me say, at least I'm honest about my biases. That's a lot more than Liz Cheney gave you. But, you know, Garland seems to be understanding of what I was saying earlier. There was a lot of people out there 
that just lost their minds. They are not career criminals. They're actually paying a bigger price than most criminals because most criminals ain't worried about losing a job or worried about their standing in their family or their community. But these a lot of these people were. So the charge that is most often pursued against these people or so, it looks as I go through all the uh, charges. I think there's been like 800 and some charge so far. Entering and remaining in a restricted building, disorderly conduct in a restricted building, violent entry and disorderly conduct in a Capitol building, parading, demonstrating, or picketing in a Capitol building. That seems to be the general catch-all, what, what looks like most people were doing out there. I told you that the worst thing that the in charge that has come up so far is the uh, seditious conspiracy, and that seems to be under 20 people that have been charged with that. Now, if uh, he, he goes any further, he may find more. I don't know. But as of today, that's where we're at. And I applaud the Attorney General for taking into consideration these people who, again, most of them are not career criminals. They just lost their minds. And he's allowing them to plead down to misdemeanors, which he has come under a lot of scrutiny for that. But I applaud him for doing so. And it also helps move on with these other possible trials that are going to come up. Just go ahead and get the people that didn't matter because no matter what they did, it just it just didn't play a big part. So go ahead, offer them the plea, get it off the books, and then really start focusing on those groups such as, and again, I say this, their allegations, the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys. Direct your attention there because those seem to be, those are your most serious charges. And that's what's going to take up the most resources and is going to take the uh, most time to try. So uh, unless those people come up with some type of uh, plea agreement, I mean, they're looking at some some serious years. So that's about all I'm going to say about January 6th and that. Oh, I'll just call it the way I see it. It's my opinion. I'm, a, I'm an American citizen, free speech. That, that's a sham committee. It's a high production now. Maybe it'll be a nice miniseries somewhere on Netflix, but a, a sham nonetheless. And it's a shame they could have gave that committee some semblance of credibility had they just allowed McCarthy to put his Republicans on there. I mean, that's the reason you have your your representatives of Jim Jordan, Jim Banks, and the other three Republicans that would have sat on that committee did not agree with the other Democrats. They deserve to be heard, and they would have deserved to put on their evidence also. And even more importantly, they would have been allowed to cross-examine anybody that came forth and put for testimony. There is no courtroom, there's no judge in this land that would have recognized that as any serious inquiry into what happened on January 6th. So, that's about all I've got to say about that. Those are my impressions, and that is my opinion. I'm going to stick to it. And closing out, I will say this, though. Very, very disappointed in the President of the United States, Joe Biden, for not denouncing that attempt on Kavanaugh's life. 
and not to come forward and try to urge Congress and his attorney general to take steps to protect Kavanaugh. If that was any liberal Supreme Court justice, he would have moved within milliseconds after that attempt had been made on that Supreme Court justice's life. Joe not saying anything, man, what, what, a, what a horrible commentary on where we're at right now that we would allow a sitting Supreme Court justice to be intimidated and we would allow people to break the law by being at his house and not to mention the danger that his family is being put into. And maybe, just maybe, that sham committee before they break, since they are so concerned about the sacred transfer of power, maybe they equally have the same appreciation for the Supreme Court and the sacredness of what those nine people do. And they will go after Chuck Schumer, who I would say his language is, was a lot more insightful. Not only was his language a lot more insightful, I would ask that the listener go back and look at that video clip. Look at his body language. He is spewing hate. He is such a hate-filled person. And to try to get the wackos of the left all up in arms to the point to where one of them is going to go out of his way to try to kill Kavanaugh, that is something that should be addressed. It really, really should. So with that, I hope uh, you'll look into this matter. This is your republic. You should take it serious. You should keep up with who's saying what and who is supporting what. With that, I'll do as I always do. I'm going to wish you a good rest of the week. Hope hope you're doing well. Hope God will keep you safe until we can get together again on Over and Under. And hey, before I do get out of here, please, if you heard something like that you like, hit the subscribe button. Please tell people to listen got some really good feedback from people. Well, I just really appreciate you listening. So please hit subscribe, tell your friends about it, and please share it. For Share it on Facebook, Twitter. Again, I thank you. You've given me, again, 30 minutes of your time. Hope you found something of value. Y'all take care. Bye.